0: Ten months into the COVID-19 pandemic, and for Ontario and Quebec, their second lockdown as cases continue to rise. Not just there, but right across the country. A vaccine was supposed to bring this to an end, but the rollout's been hampered and political leaders are pointing the finger of blame at each other. Hello and welcome to the Unpublished Cafe. I'm Ed Hand. As we are in Ontario's second lockdown, we are coming to you from a remote location and practicing physical distancing to enhance safety. According to the federal government, Canada has locked down 80 million doses of the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines, enough to vaccinate the whole country twice as two doses is required. But the vaccination rate is pretty sparse, with about 420,000 Canadians inoculated so far. That's just over 1% hardly reassuring now coming up on the unpublished cafe we'll take a look at the process for getting the vaccines into the arms of canadians as we chat with former federal health minister and deputy prime minister Anne mcclellan first let's get some medical perspective on the rollout and perhaps how it can be done better i'm pleased to be joined by ray watt d and he's assistant professor of epidemiology at the university of ottawa and ray from your perspective how has this rollout gone so far It's been okay.
1: I mean, I've seen some flaws in it. And whenever I criticize what people say, well, you couldn't do better. Well, maybe I could, I don't know. Uh, I I think we, we hit some snags early on. There's uh, moments during December where the vaccine clinics were closed. In my opinion, this should have been 24-7 ordeal. There should be no breaks in vaccination. And there are um, interesting procedural elements, like when a vial is opened, you've got to get into six arms as quickly as possible. And sometimes people don't show up for their scheduled appointment, and so you've got to find a, a body right away. And that's led to Non-optimal people getting the shot before, say, a vulnerable person or a healthcare worker. So those kinds of flaws in the system are frustrating to me. But overall, I think we're doing probably as well as we could.
0: Was there there enough planning done ahead of, ahead for the rollout? Let's face it; each province is in charge of their own of their own program. But you'd have to plan, you know, pretty diligently to get that uh, rolled out, would you not? yeah
1: yeah i mean i'm a little frustrated by that i thought the planning would be better to be honest i mean little things like ottawa has figured out how to put mobile shots into cars and take it to long-term care centers i thought that would be the plan from day one but it took us several weeks to get there because apparently it was shocking to learn that um you know you you couldn't take the pfizer shots to long-term care centers because we haven't got the refrigeration set up there but a mobile testing team Vaccination uh, deal is certainly in the makings, so it took a while to get that done. And even this this idea of what to do with the excess shots—if you know you open up a vial and the body isn't there to to re- receive it—I thought that would be better planned out. For example, um, I've been advocating for the creation of a database of of patients in the community who are of high risk, who are available for a last minute vaccination if one becomes available. And yet we haven't created that kind of database. That's the kind of thing I thought would have been done early on. So I'm frustrated that the detail and depth of planning was not as intense as it could have been. And frankly, I think the reason for that is there are no real public health people on the planning committee. Right. I mean, uh, across Ontario, public Mm -hmm. health units have a lot of experience. Deploying vaccination programs, and yet none of those people appear to be um, making decisions.
0: We have two vaccines, and each person will require two shots. One we have one from Pfizer BioTech, and from Moderna. Now, if you get inoculated with one, can you be in, uh, get your second dose with the other, or does it not work together?
1: It can. It might work together. We just don't know. So my virologist friends tell me that it might actually be better to get uh, a second dose from another uh, vaccine formulation, um, because you know uh, a little bit of heterogeneity may trigger a better immunogenic response. But again, we don't know. There is a, a trial happening in the UK, I believe, looking at whether or not the Astrazeneca dose can be used in coordination with a Russian vaccine. And the Brits are also going to try to look at mixing and matching the Moderna and uh, Pfizer shots, I think. Right now, we just don't know. So it's not advisable. But I wouldn't be surprised by the end of the year that was the strategy being taken.
0: Where do you see the system breaking down in terms of, of distribution right now? Wow, that's an interesting question.
1: So I would have thought that we would have prioritized long-term care residents first. um, But because of, you know, the distribution issues regarding the cold chain, the healthcare workers made it to the top of the list. That's fine. Getting it to remote areas is going to be easier now that the Moderna vaccine is in play because it doesn't suffer the same cold chain issues. When we get to phase two, getting to the general public, um, that's going to be interesting. So can we get it to drugstores, for example? Can we train up sufficient numbers of uh, pharmacy technicians and so forth? What are the barriers going to be? It might be HR. It might be uh, compliance. Um, Eventually, vaccine hesitancy is going to be an issue.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Raywa Dianandini is not joining yet. us in the Unpublished Cafe as we're discussing the rollout uh, issues with the, uh, with the COVID-19 vaccine, and there have been an, a number of issues. You know, uh, part of the problem I, I see is each province gets to determine how to figure out who gets it first, how to roll it out. And, you know, when you have 10 different plans, 10 different ideas, there's not a lot of, you can really sync up, right?
1: That's right. Um, And the problem is heterogeneity. Now, the province has a general plan and each city has a vaccine task force that is tasked with uh, um, enacting that plan. And one of the nice things about this heterogeneity, though, is that at the local level, the public health units seem to be able to fill in any oversights that the provincial plan may have missed, for example the inability to get it from hospitals into long term care centers is a local challenge and a lot of the public health leaders are stepping up to that local challenge the diversity of formulations on the other hand having you know the AstraZeneca shop the Pfizer shop the Moderna shop that's a good thing that's a very good thing it means that different types of populations can be served depending upon the you know the characteristics of the doses and different kinds of uh, regions can be accessed depending upon the storage and transportation limitations
0: now communication on the vaccine and, and the rollout uh where have the in, in particular in communication where have the shortfalls been that you've seen <laughs> That's a huge one. So the
1: amount of myths circulating around these vaccines is just staggering, and I think they're being weaponized by a certain political contingent because mm. some of this messaging is really well funded and organized, and it's almost a full-time job for people like me to be responding to them all the time. So um, combating myths is a big one. Also, explaining to people like who gets to get it at a very basic level is important. So um, for, who's in the first tier recipients the second tier, and also who is contraindicated, meaning uh, what kinds of people should not be getting it. Things like children haven't been cleared yet or pregnant women, so forth. That's not been clear to people. Simple things like a website would be useful <laughs> with an FAQ um, and answering questions like uh, side effects. Yeah? One thing I'm concerned about is do we have the economic support? By which I mean, so these vaccines tend to have very um, serious side effects for some people in the first couple of days, like a lot of pain, fever, fatigue in the first couple of days. And for some people, that might mean having to take a day off work or getting childcare. Right. You know? And if you are a lower socioeconomic status person, that could be challenging. Or even taking a day off work to get to the vaccination center to get a shot. Those challenges I don't think have been fully worked out yet. I, I'm hoping that the, uh, our policymakers are paying attention.
0: Now, just uh, as COVID-19 obviously has engulfed us for uh, 10 months, we've got a new variant to go along with it. And how does this thing change things or does it not? It it changes the urgency. So there are a couple of new variants, if not more. There's
1: the South African variant and the UK variant. The UK one is the one making most of the news and it's, it looks like it is at least 56 percent more transmissible. It's not more lethal. It's not more serious, but it can affect more people faster. Therefore, probably put more people in hospital and kill more people. So the race to inoculate more people just got more dire. And we do think that the vaccines will still work on the variant. So there's no concern on that front. So um, it, it, we may have to pull out some stops here. Uh, I know Quebec is has lengthened the time in between doses to allow them to use up their existing uh, batches, not wait for the second batch, in order to get ahead of that curve as the race against the new variant heats up. It also means we have to focus on mitigating transmission more, because the more we stop the spread, the slower the new variant takes root in our population, and the fewer opportunities the virus has to mutate further. So the stakes got higher.
0: You know, I'm kind of curious. We've got the UK variant, the South African variant, and are they created or products of the environment, or is it just where they happen to to develop?
1: Good question. The way evolution works is mutations happen all the time, but occasionally a beneficial mutation arises, beneficial to the virus, and that's the one that outcompetes the other ones. Now, we think that these variants arose in one or two people so one or two people were sick for a very long time maybe had a variety of other comorbidities that allowed you know new environments to be amenable to these variants taking hold and once the dominance of these new variants were established in these couple of hosts then it spread from there so um the question is were these regions, geographical regions, more amenable to these variants? In the sense that if more people are infected, there's more opportunity for these rarer hosts to be found and more opportunity for them then to be hosts to a new variant. So again, the less prevalence of the disease we have, the less opportunity there is for new variants to arise. And this just doubled down our need to mitigate transmission to prevent those scenarios from arising.
0: Do you expect the uh, current COVID role of vaccine rollout to improve or you just have your fingers crossed?
1: (laughs) I'm an eternal optimist. I think it will improve. And here's why. Right now, the rate limiting step is supply. And we can't get enough doses. But manufacturing is ramping up at a phenomenal rate. And Dr. Sanchi has simply said that um, we're going to be inundated with the doses very, very soon. At least the U.S. will, which probably means we will, too. So by the spring, we're going to have millions of doses available. Now, is the spring soon enough? Not soon enough for me, but it's, that's when we're going to have it. By the end of this year, we're going to have a lot of doses of a lot of different vaccines. So we've got to hang tight. Um, this is not going to be a years-long endeavor. It's going to be a year-long endeavor, at least the crisis mode.
0: Ray, I want to thank you for joining us. Thank you. Ray Wadianandan is Assistant Professor of Epidemiology at U. Ottawa, And that leads to our unpublished dot-vote question. Who is responsible for the slow vaccination rollout in Canada, the federal government, the provincial governments? You don't care, just get it out or unsure. You can log on and vote right now at unpublished.vote and have your voice heard. You know, when it comes to the, the vaccine rollout, there have been some hiccups and finger pointing from the federal and provincial governments. And to get a view on how the process works, I am pleased to be joined by former federal health minister and former deputy prime minister, Anne McClellan. And Anne, you were in charge during SARS. Was there, there are a lot of issues to distribution of a vaccine uh, during that uh, time?
2: No, actually, Ed, there were none because there was not a vaccine uh, ever developed for SARS. In fact, a number of researchers around the world, including one here at the University of Alberta, recent uh, Nobel Prize winner, Michael Houghton, was very close to developing a vaccine for SARS. But the disease itself actually burnt itself out so that uh, there is no Stars, really, in the world today. So we did not have to deal with the issue of a vaccine.
0: Now, well, you know, we look at the situation right now. We have two uh, vaccines. Canada has uh, committed to $80 million in doses. But, you know, obviously, distribution is a problem uh, right across the country. Mm-hmm. Can you walk us through the process from procurement to distribution?
2: Actually, I, I will try, and although, as I've said, okay. that was not part of our experience with SARS. But obviously, the government of Canada is uh, responsible for procurement of vaccines. They are the federal regulator. Within Health Canada, there is uh, the regulator, and we have seen Dr. Sharma and others, who are leading the regulatory process. These vaccines uh, go through the federal regulator to ensure efficacy uh, and uh, safety, and that is a rigorous process, and it must be, uh, especially in the context of this particular situation, COVID-19, where so many people globally have expressed a concern that the vaccines have been created more quickly than usual. And that is true. This is a remarkable feat of of science to see as many potential vaccines uh coming to market, uh, as we've seen, in really, obviously, less than a year. So the federal regulator will approve a vaccine. uh, But in terms of the actual procurement of the doses, that is up to the Government of Canada, uh, Minister Annan's department. um, And uh, what you've seen is her talking about the process, the negotiations which she and her people have been going through, People need to understand this is highly competitive. Everybody wants a vaccine or more than one. And in fact, the government of Canada has contracts with seven, I believe, uh, potential uh, vaccine manufacturers, two of which have been approved. Hopefully, AstraZeneca gets approved by the federal regulator very quickly. Um, So, procurement. Tough job. You're out there competing with other nations, every other nation literally, uh, for some part of these companies, uh, uh manufactured, uh, dose, doses. So once those contracts are signed, then um, well, the contracts were signed before the actual regulatory approval. You get the approval, then you begin the discussions as to what comes into the country when. And a major general Fortin is in, uh, we're really in charge of, of that process, where the vaccine doses arrive in Canada, how they get to Canada, and then, the, and how they, uh and where they go in the provinces. And then once they reach the provinces, each province will have its own distribution process. And the bigger the province, the more complicated the process and the more distribution points you're going to have to have and so on. So that's. Basically, the process, it's a complicated process. You've got a lot of moving pieces. You're dealing with manufacturers offshore. You're dealing with a globally competitive marketplace where everybody's got their elbows up
0: former federal health minister and former deputy prime minister Anne McClellan joining us on the unpublished cafe as we discuss the vaccination, slow vaccination rollout into Canada here on the podcast. And uh, where do you see the lags uh, in the vaccine getting out? Is it uh, not enough direction as to who gets it first? Is there not enough vaccine? What do you think the problem is with the, the lags in getting it out?
2: Well, first of all, keep in mind that um, when people say this is slow, I think it depends what you're comparing it to. Keep in mind that we actually got doses of vaccine, at least half a million, into this country uh, by the end of December, which was sooner than people expected. Um, and that number of doses, uh, while relatively small, also gave the province's Uh, The opportunity, I think, to start uh, putting in place their distribution system and thinking about uh, how that would look, uh, working through some early uh, days of distribution to figure out where there might be hiccups or glitches. Now, obviously, the provinces and the territories, keeping in mind that the territories could not use the Pfizer vaccine because of Mm. uh, the various requirements, including the fact that it has to be kept at at least minus 70 degrees. Um, So uh, what what you have now is the provinces Uh, and the territories with their systems up and running. There's still gonna be hiccups, obviously. We have a priority list established by a national immunization task force in terms of who should be prioritized. Uh, Although again, provinces could make their own tweaks to that. Although my guess is if you're smart, you follow the best advice nationally that you get, which is coming from this task force. So now the question is, where is the supply? And as I said at the beginning, globally competitive market, everybody's competing for doses. You saw this week, the prime minister indicating that uh, Canada uh, has uh, exercised or negotiated uh, another 20 million doses of Pfizer, which should start coming into the country in the second quarter. Unfortunately, this morning you heard from Minister Anand that there may be a slowdown in Pfizer doses because, not because of anything the government of Canada or the provinces have control over, but that at the Pfizer plant in Belgium, where our doses, from where our doses are coming, actually is going to go through some, I gather, expansion or some kind of transformation. So that is probably going to interrupt the flow for some short, I think the minister said, period of time in terms of Pfizer doses. But yeah, there's no question you've got to ramp up the supply coming into the country. But you also hope that there's some confidence that the provinces have taken this time to tweak their distribution mechanisms so that there won't be glitches. And you can get once the provinces get the vaccine, they can get it into people's arms as quickly as possible.
0: You know, I'm I'm kind at of times, curious. It seems both. I was going to say both levels of government seem to be p- p- pointing the fingers at each other. The federal government complaining about the the low vaccination rate, and yet the the provinces are complaining that they don't have enough vaccine, even though they haven't actually injected the vaccine into arms. Well, Where does the truth lie in this, yeah. or is this just playing politics?
2: Well, I think nobody should be playing the blame game here. This is, uh, I think, much too important. Uh, This is about Canadians' health and safety. Everybody, at every level of government, is working as hard as they can, as conscientiously as they can. Um, Nobody's done this in the world. Look at the the mess Mm -hmm. in the United States. Yes, they have more supply, but they can't get it into people's arms. Joe Biden, president-elect Joe Biden, has a commitment to, uh, you know, a million—what is it? A, a hundred million doses in a hundred days or something. Um, but and he's doing that because, in fact, it's been a—it's been a mess so far. You know, it's chaos in the state of Florida where people are trying to get the vaccine um, when. And that was described as chaos by the New York Times, not by me. And that was, I think, on mm. in their Sunday newspaper. But you look across the U.S., yes, they've got more supply, but they haven't figured out how to distribute it state by state to get it into people's arms efficiently. Um, you're seeing some of the same challenges in other parts of the world. So nobody has tried to roll out brand new vaccines, get them approved, and get them into countries in reasonable doses, and then into people's arms on this scale before. So people need to keep that in mind. All levels of government need to realize the challenge that they are facing. Stop any blame game or finger pointing and say, okay, we've we all want as many doses as possible administered as quickly and efficiently as possible. But we know this is a global competition, unfortunately, and uh, this will take time. We do have to be patient. I do think that things will ramp up dramatically in the second quarter. We may have, although the Pfizer news this morning isn't good in terms, but the government of Canada has no control over that. That's a decision by the manufacturer. You, that might speak to the fact that going forward, and the government of Canada is doing this, uh, we need our own manufacturing capacity in Canada. I think one of the things that this particular global pandemic has proven to us is that we cannot be entirely dependent upon foreign suppliers whether it's for PPE, whether it's for ventilators, or whether it's for vaccine. And we've geared up to produce PPE and ventilators and other things in this country, gloves, syringes, whatever. Uh, But we really do need to have domestic vaccine capacity so that uh, we're not beholden, in a sense, To uh, negotiations offshore in other countries where, for example, in the U.S., the discussion around they're going to serve their own citizens first and all of that. We, We need to be able to do better than that as Canadians, which is why the government of Canada has put substantial investment into at least two facilities, one in Saskatchewan, one in Quebec, outside Montreal, to really Start producing for the future uh, vaccines, hopefully developed here at Canada that, in Canada that can be manufactured in Canada. But that's not going to help us in the next six months.
0: No. Do you think a national vaccination program might help with some of the hiccups we're dealing with now?
2: Mm, uh, I well, you still have to have the vaccine, right? A yeah. national vaccination. If you're talking about immunization as opposed to the manufacture of an actual product, immunization, um, there are national immunization strategies certainly around influenza measles other things they are they are rolled out in the provinces and the provinces have a great deal of experience with immunizing kids in schools for uh measles for other uh tuberculosis although fortunately in this country while it remains it's not the problem it was when i was a kid in school um Mm -hmm. and we don't need to to go there um, no but, worries um i think um we do need a, a vaccination strategy in the sense of we need to understand uh, we need to encourage our own um homegrown um scientists and researchers to develop vaccines and then we need to have companies in this country that manufacture those vaccines and then obviously as disease develops, whatever kind, vaccines are developed and provinces, uh, purchase what they think they need and have a strategy to get them out into people's arms. I mean, we're, we're used to immunization every year. Ten, uh, you know, millions of people yeah. in this country are vaccinated for, um, influenza. Um, and, you know, there are vaccinations for shingles, for pneumonia. Uh, if you're of a certain age, you're very familiar with those programs and strategies.
0: And I want to thank you for joining us.
2: It is my pleasure. And let us all uh, stay safe and be well. Anne
0: McClellan is the former federal health minister and former deputy prime minister. And that leads to our unpublished dot vote question. Who is responsible for the slow vaccination rollout in Canada? The federal government, the provinces, you don't care, just get it out, or unsure. You can log on and vote right now at unpublished.vote. I want to thank our guest today, Ray Watt Dianand, Assistant Professor of Epidemiology at the University of Ottawa, and Anne McClellan former health minister and former deputy prime minister, and she was in charge of the health department during the SARS crisis. And I want to thank you for listening to The Unpublished Cafe. Stay safe. I'm Ed Hand.